Did you know that wombats poop cube-shaped turds? (laughs) (laughs) And they poop them and then stack them on top of each other to mark their territory. (laughs) So I went and looked up. So I went and looked at pictures and they literally look like little poop cubes. <laughs> the wombats are over there shitting and playing Legos. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's a keen. That's so keen. Hi. So I put like adjustable bed risers under my studio desk <laughs> to make it higher. <laughs> so, yeah. so now if I want, I mean, I can stand because my desk is right here. Mm-hmm. Well, I put my laptop and my janky stand on the floor. <laughs> And I'm sitting on the floor. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I cannot believe we have to re-record all of this. So yeah. this, is a, this is a new case. I haven't got to hear it yet. <laughs> so I'm really excited to find out what case you're covering. <laughs> Your face. Welcome back to episode two of Grim Curiosity with Calliope and Jane. Back to you, Jane. Coming in hot <laughs> off the press. <laughs> I feel like this needs to be a podcast where we can actually see your expressions because you're kind of a dick. I am going to do the Papine sisters today. Their story. I'm not going to do them. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm going to tell their story. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> we, we shouldn't even be recording <laughs> everything feels really funny okay did you take a good nap yeah well it was like five hours nap. i took a nap but i feel like i need um like second nap oh my gosh me too i need a second and a third nap that was my pre-nap yeah that's that would be how i feel is pre-nap Okay. Okay. Anyways. So the Papine sisters, this is a French case and I don't speak French. So I'm probably going to butcher all these names. I tried to do like the pronunciation thing. So I'm going to try. I took but French for is... two years. So I think we've got this covered. Oh yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you some about some things. No problem. The story is going to be about Christine and Leah. And they were born to Clémence Dare and Gustave Papine. And while their parents were dating, there were rumors circulating throughout town that Clémence, their mother, was having an affair with her boss. And even with these rumors going around, Gustave stayed with her because he loved her so much. Do you know what she did for work? Her boss. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I know. (laughs) Hopefully she was getting extra pay. (laughs) 
But when she became pregnant in 1901, her and Gustav got married. And then they welcomed their first daughter, Amelia, into the world in February of 1902. So even though this is a case about Christine and Leah, they do have an older sister named Amelia. And that is the daughter that was born in February 1902. When Amelia was two years old, Gustav decided to take a job out of town to move his family away from Le Mans which is where most of this case takes place. But he moves them out of town because he wanted to take his wife away from the man that she was potentially seeing behind his back since he was still questioning her faithfulness. Upon the new, well, this this is kind of funny. Upon the news of the move, Clemence flipped out stating she would rather commit suicide than move away, which obviously didn't help Gustav's suspicions at all. How dare you but- take me away from my boyfriend? <laughs> Yeah, but her threats and protests didn't stop the move. And the family started their new, but definitely not better life out of town. And the thing that I think is funny is that out of town was eight kilometers away, which is just under five miles. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. So she's so distressed and wants to die over moving less than five miles away. (laughs) It's like, dude, you could walk that in like an hour. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Which is really funny. That is so funny that she would freak out over that distance. Yeah, five miles. I mean, I could almost throw a rock probably five miles. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, five miles is literally nothing. Even walking. So even if, let's say, she just had to walk, that's like an hour, maybe a little over an hour walk. Well, okay. And how did they get around back then? Did they ride horses? And if that was the case, why could her boyfriend not come see her? I mean, I'm not saying that cheating is okay. I'm not saying that her having a side boyfriend is okay, but her saying that she would rather die when she has children because she doesn't get to see her boyfriend seems funny and almost one-sided if he's not even going out of his way to try to see her. Yeah, that's probably pretty common though back then, huh? He probably had other little side pieces. Probably. He was probably, he was probably married too. She was probably also a side piece. Probably. I would say that's probably pretty fair. There's not a whole bunch about that part of it. But yeah, so moving five miles away is just, I would rather die than have to move five miles away. Yeah. So on March 8th, 1905, Christine Papine was born. And then September 15th, 1911, Leah Papine was born. And Clémence never showed any affections towards Gustav or any of their three children. And overall, she was just like an unbearable person. Was she like that before she had Amelia? Or do you think she could have possibly been suffering from postpartum depression? And that caused all of it. If she was cheating on Gustav before they had kids, I'm going to say that the love in the marriage had always been one-sided. Like, I think Gustav loved her, but I don't think she ever cared about him like that. And it also makes me wonder too, which obviously nothing says says that, but I wonder if Amelia was even his. Because if she was cheating on him and then she got pregnant and they weren't even married or anything and then got married right after she got pregnant, like, how would he know? I wonder if they had blood tests back then, like being able to test paternity. Oh, I'm sure they did not. But so even her getting married to him probably wasn't something she wanted to do. Does it say how old he was? What the age difference was? Of what? Um, Yeah. I don't know how old they are. Okay. didn't say anything about how old they were. So they had to hurry up and get married before she had this baby. Hmm. And then they had two more kids. 
and she didn't like any of them or her husband. And Gustav turned to alcohol to cope with his life that he has because it's obviously miserable. And then when Amelia was nine or 10, Claymont sent her to Bon Pasteur Catholic Orphanage. And it was later revealed that that decision was because Gustav had raped Amelia, which Claymont's took as Amelia seducing her husband instead of the dad raping their daughter. See, that's disgusting. That's disgusting, which further has me questioning if that really was his kid because he did not rape the younger two, right? That were his kids. Well, he was never really around the younger two. It's disgusting, but also it shows Claymont's own colors as her daughter seducing her husband like that's just freaking disgusting and so she was so mad about it that she wanted her out of the house so she sent her somewhere that was known for their harsh discipline that's so, so sad purposely picked somewhere that she knew was going to treat her like crap and then amelia so amelia pretty much grew up in the orphanage from nine or ten whenever whatever age she actually was when she got sent there and she ended up joining the convent and becoming a nun because this was a, a Catholic uh, orphanage. Well, that's what I'm going to say is her her only sexual encounter she had was horrifying. So, of course, she would be willing to join the convent just yeah, to I mean, not have to deal with that. That when you've already spent nine or ten years of your life in an unloved home with that's clearly dysfunctional because her parents didn't even love each other and her dad ended up a big old alcoholic. I would say even though the orphanage was probably pretty bad too she probably felt somewhat of a family in there right but both christine and leah when they were born they were sent away as babies to be raised by family members and then once taken away from the family members they were put into that same catholic orphanage so christine was sent to live with her aunt on her dad's side until she was seven and then she was placed in the orphanage and she wanted to join the convent like her older sister Amelia did, but her mom refused to allow it because at this point in time, when it was time for her to be able to join the convent, Claymonts and Gustave had divorced and Claymonts needed some financial support because she didn't want to work. So she told Christine that she can't join the convent and wanted her to get a job so that she could take her money. Jeez. Well, so I'm wondering if they were both, so as soon as they're born... And they're sent off to family. How did, what were the name, Christine and Leah really know each other? Were they sent to the same family member? No, they were sent to different family members, but they ended up in the orphanage together. And I guess as soon as Christine went into the orphanage, because she went to the orphanage at seven. And when she went in there, her and Amelia got really close. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, and that's why she wanted to join the convent like Amelia, because her and Amelia got really close. And then her mom told her no and made her go get a job instead. So there has to have been some point where all of them had been together in that orphanage. I'm not sure how much time had lapsed since we don't know how long Leah was actually living with her uncle. It doesn't say how long she was living with her uncle and then her uncle died. So that's the only reason she ended up in the orphanage was because her uncle died. Yeah, and it looked like um, reading it, it's kind of hard since some stuff has more information than others, and I also don't know which stuff is actually true or not, but from 
looking at the timeline, it sounded like the timeline was Gustav and Clemence got divorced around the time that Christine got sent to the orphanage because that's her aunt on her dad's side. And so it sounds almost like when they got divorced, Clemence was like, well, screw that. You can't have my kid then and took Christine because I guess Christine was loved at the aunt's house. I guess that was like seven years, seven good years. Oh, sad. Yeah. And then with Leah, she was with her uncle on her mom's side. So it was her mom's brother that she ended up with. And it says that one of their uncles committed suicide. So I don't know if that's the uncle. And if it is, that would be why she ended up in the orphanage. Um, But Leah was sent to live with the uncle on the mother's side until his death. And then she was sent to the orphanage where her two older sisters were. And she was in there until she was 15 and could also be placed in employment like Christine because uh, Claymont's wanted both of their incomes. Because, you know, she was so great and nurturing to her children that she is entitled to their income. All their hard-earned money. Yeah, all their hard-earned money was going to her little lazy ass. But Christine was known as being average intelligence with a strong personality where some of her employers had reported her being insolent, which is just like back talking and stuff. But she was a hard worker and she was also a good cook which is what she learned at that orphanage. And then Leah was known to be below average intelligence. And she was also shy, quiet, and introverted. So she didn't really like to talk to anybody. She'd only really ever talked to Christine. And then in 1926, both sisters started to work as live-in maids with the Lancelin family, which consisted of Renee Lancelin, who was a retired attorney, his wife, Leonie, and one of their their adult daughters, Genevieve. So there was the three Lancelins living in the home. Christine was their cook and Leah was their housekeeper. But Christine actually started working for them first. And once she had proved that she was like a good cook and a good housekeeper and stuff, she talked them into hiring Leah on when Leah was 15 and able to join into the workforce. So they got to work together and the girls weren't very social. And they preferred to hang out with just each other over socializing with others, but they were known around town to be well-behaved. They always attended church and they were hard workers. And even around town, the other upper-class people were envious of the Lancelons landing these sisters because they were dealing with typical young girls, since both of them are pretty young who want to gossip about boys and gossip about other people around town where the the Papine sisters didn't want to do that. They just like to do their work and then sit in their room. And so after lunch, they got a two-hour break every day. And instead of going out and about, they would just spend it in their shared room, which, I mean, I like just laying in bed too. I'm all yeah. about bed stuff. I know. <laughs> yeah. And by bed stuff, we mean sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Catching those Z's 100%. Yes. Yeah. So I would be doing the same thing. Like, I bet you, me and you would be doing the same thing. Yeah. We would take our two hours and just go lay in bed. Yes. I quite enjoy naps. Yeah, me too. Sometime after the girls had been working for the Lancelins, though, Leonie, the wife, she started suffering with bouts of depression and just had an overall poor mental health. 
which she used the Papine sisters as punching bags to cope with the severe ups and downs in her moods. And she began physically hurting them, placing unobtainable expectations on them with what she was expecting to be done and her level of cleanliness, just so that she did have a reason to hurt them. And she would go as far as using a white glove and running her finger over various parts of the house and then getting irate if there was even the slightest speck of dust on the glove afterwards. And then the abuse had gotten so bad towards the end that Leone was slamming the girl's heads against walls see how dare her like to put yeah. your hands on somebody else like that's what I think so gross about stuff like that is back then they probably viewed their help like property like that they own them even though they were human beings like you don't own a human being nobody owns a human being right and they were obviously put in a better situation like obviously the sisters didn't choose the life that they were given leone just had a more privileged better situation and then to treat people who are less fortunate than you like that like what especially somebody that's like they were cooking their meals gosh i would love if somebody would come in and cook my meals and i wouldn't treat them like shit oh same So on the evening of February 2nd, 1933, the Lancelin family was to have dinner at a family friend's house. And Renee was going to meet his wife and daughter at that friend's house later because Leonie and Genevieve had been out shopping that day. And so when they were done shopping, they stopped back at their house to drop off all the stuff that they had bought in. And when they arrived to the home, they noticed that all the lights were off and were informed by the girls that the power had gone out when Christine had plugged in a faulty eye iron to iron clothes and that iron had did the same thing the day before and Christine had actually took it to a shop to get it fixed that day and apparently it just didn't actually get fixed because it shorted out the house electricity again and so for this happening two days in a row this enraged Leone who attacked the women and like this time Christine decided to fight back and Leah joined her and both of them gouged out the eyes of Leone and Genevieve and then using a butcher your knife a pewter pot that was nearby and a hammer they bludgeoned the women beyond recognition i wonder how hard it is to pop out somebody's eyes that has to be so much rage to make someone's eye actually pop out and from looking at the pictures which we might post on the instagram i don't know if you can post gruesome pictures like that because i looked up the pictures of it and it looks like on the back of one of their legs was completely sliced up is that was i looking at that right Yeah. Okay. They're both actually sliced up like that. Oh, really? But I think that you can just see it from that one. Because so I'm assuming that's Genevieve, because I'm pretty sure Genevieve was found on her stomach and Leonie was found on her back, which we're going to actually go into the details of that when we get to that part. But the experts who responded to the scene estimated that the attack lasted between 30 minutes to two hours, which if it was two hours long, that's a long time to be sitting there mutilating bodies. Were they alive that entire time? I don't know. It doesn't say. I know they were alive after their eyeballs got popped out because that was something that Christine had said was that they were screaming stuff, but she didn't remember what they were saying. Christine didn't remember what they were saying. And yeah, probably because she was, you know, blood boiling mad, but she did say that 
because they didn't have the butcher knife and hammer nearby. I guess she found those in like the kitchen. So after they popped their eyes out, since obviously the Lancel and women aren't going to be fighting back after getting their eyeballs popped out. Uh, that's when Christine ran up to the kitchen to grab those things. This did not take place in the kitchen? Nope. Nope. Uh, looking at pictures, it looks like the house was like a three-story house. And I'm guessing that when you enter, I don't know if the front door you enter on the bottom floor, but definitely the back door you enter on the bottom floor. So yeah, like it might, it's either a three-story house or it's like a walkout okay. where like the back door would be on the bottom floor because the women were on the middle floor, but... She ran to the kitchen to find the knife and the hammer because the women were still alive, but they didn't have their eyeballs, so they weren't much of a threat. Yikes. Is that bloody? I would think it is. I don't know. I've never seen somebody get their eyeballs popped out, and I don't want to either. Same. So now we're going to go to Renee's side of it. So he went to the dinner and then he thought it was weird that his wife and daughter never showed up. So him and his son-in-law went back to their house to figure out why. And when they arrived, they saw that the house was completely dark except for a dim light in the Papine sisters room. And the Papine sisters room was in like the attic type area. So it was in the very top of the house and they shared a room and the front door was dead bolted from the inside. So Renee wasn't able to enter it because it wasn't like a key or anything. It was literally just dead bolted on the inside. And he knocked and stuff and was like calling out, trying to get somebody to open the door and nobody was. So he went to the police station to try to get help getting into his house since he thought the whole situation just seemed odd. And he had a bad feeling about it. And so a couple police officers accompanied the two gentlemen back to the Lancelin house where the officers scaled the garden wall and were able to get into the house by uh, breaking open the back door because the back door was locked too, but I'm guessing it wasn't like dead bolted. And once they were inside, they started making their way up the stairs which the house is completely dark. So they're using flashlights to see. And when they're going up the stairs, they see what they thought was a small ball. Ew. And then further inspection revealed that it was actually a human eyeball. Ew. Yeah. And then a couple more stairs is where they reached that first landing. And that's where they discovered the lifeless, severely beaten bodies of Leonie and Genevieve. Was it and, just the two officers that found them or the husband? Yeah. Was there also? Yeah. Cause they, so they went through the back. So uh, Renee and his son-in-law, they were at the front door still oh, okay. waiting to be let in. But then after this, they didn't let them in. But both women's faces were beaten beyond recognition. Leone's was beaten more so than Genevieve's where her skull had been completely smashed in. Their eyes were gone. And then Leone's eyes were found in the folds of a scarf that she was wearing around her neck. And the one on the stairs belonged to Genevieve. And then Genevieve's other eye was found underneath her body when they were removing the bodies from the house and then their legs and and butts had been slashed so yeah. that's why i think that when looking at it i'm pretty sure you're seeing genevieve because i'm pretty sure she was the one that was found on her stomach so leone's was like that too but she was found on her back so you wouldn't be able to see it that must have been so much rage to sit there and slice somebody up like that because those pictures were really gruesome yeah. And then their teeth and various bone fragments were scattered about the scene. And then they continue going through the house because they're thinking at this point that it was an intruder that did this. And so, and they know that the maids are supposed to be in the house. So now they're like looking for the maids, but the Papine sisters were locked in their room 
and remained quiet when the officers called a locksmith to come open the door. So like he was calling out to them, but wasn't hearing anything. So he called a locksmith to get the door open. And they're thinking that they're going to find the maids in a similar state as what they just found the Lancelin women. Right. And so after the the locksmith gets the door open, they were surprised to find that both sisters were just laying in their bed, like perfectly fine. And Christine just states that they've been expecting them. They're just chilling. Yeah. They're like, oh, we've been expecting you. It's like, really? Why? Why ever would you be expecting them? Were they all bloody? No, they had cleaned up. They they cleaned themselves up and then just went and hung out in bed. Chilled on their bed until somebody found them? Yeah. I wonder what they were thinking as as they're like trying to get inside the door. Like, oh, here we go. No kidding. Because it's like they're both just being super quiet. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they thought like maybe if we're quiet, they won't keep trying the door. <laughs> they'll go try a different yeah. part of the house if we're quiet Let's just enough. Let's pretend we're not here and then they'll just never look up here. <laughs> yeah, never. They'll just forget about us. Yeah, but the women confessed to the murders immediately. And that is a good thing because the entire crime scene itself had been altered and contaminated by the police and the other officials that had been called in. So even though this is an older case, it was still common practice at this time to preserve a crime scene. But with it being dark in the house and only flashlights being used to illuminate the area, the officers weren't being careful with where they were stepping. And both Lancelin women had actually had their skirts and undergarments pulled up, revealing their genitalia, which one of the officers pulled their skirts down to cover it up so that when they took the crime scene photos, it wouldn't be something where everybody was able to see their private areas forever in the crime scene photos. So I get why he did that, but that is altering a crime scene. Like he's touching things that shouldn't have been touched. Yeah. So once the sisters had been apprehended, they ordered a psych evaluation because they just couldn't really understand how women could do such a crazy, heinous, disgusting murder. And even though their upbringing wasn't a desired one, they were both found to be completely sane. It was noted that Christine had zero affections for anyone or anything besides Leah and that they didn't seem to love each other as anything more than just family. And then Leah viewed Christine as like a mother figure, which even reading that, like when I saw that, I'm pretty sure that was part of the free documentary history YouTube page documentary that I watched, where they said that Christine had zero affections for anyone or anything besides Leah. I feel like that alone sounds like a mental something. Like that's not normal. No, uh uh-uh. So I don't know how that's considered completely sane, but they said they were completely sane. And with them both being viewed as sane and no mental illnesses being discovered, it meant that both sisters were considered equal parts of the double homicide and would be tried as such. What sister was the one that was below intelligence? Leah. And they didn't think there was anything wrong with her? Nope. But if she's found to be below intelligence, I would say right there... That sounds like, yeah, I know. So like Christine's, Christine's the older one and she's the one that was known to be like a back talker and stuff and have an attitude periodically. And then Leah was the one that was quiet and shy and didn't really talk to anybody like only Christine, Mm -hmm. but with them both being considered sane, it means that whatever sentencing they get, they're both going to get that sentencing because they were both equal parts of it. And so in jail, Christine and Leah were separated and Christine had numerous bouts of madness is what they called it back then. And one of the times she even tried to gouge out her own eyeballs. 
And then she ended up being placed in a straitjacket. And then she decides to come clean about what really happened that night, saying that Leone never raised her hand that day and that she attacked Leone unprovoked. And when Genevieve came to her mother's defense, she attacked her too, which is when Leah entered and started aiding her sister in the attack with Christine telling Leah what to do. And so with this confession, it it places all blame on Christine and Leah was only like helping. So it makes Christine the mastermind and then Leah the person that's just following the orders of someone that she views as a mother figure. So I don't know if I don't know which one is true. I don't know if Leone did actually attack the women or if what Christine's saying now is true or if Christine is telling the story like this to make it where Leah's not going to get the same sentence. Like she's taking all the blame for it. But their trial started in September of 1933. And even though this sounds like a super easy case, There were actually people that sided with the Papine sisters and the people that did side with them said that their acts were because of a social class struggle and that they were slaves and being exploited by the upper classes. And that once you come to the realization of your mistreatments, you'll rebel and reject your conditions, which is what they're claiming that the sisters did. Yeah. And so at the trial, the attorney representing the Lancelins responded to the press's allegations saying that the Lancelins treated their staff really good and that they made 150 francs a month, which according to an inflation calculator is around 3,400 United States dollars today. So $3,400 a month, which is I'm not sure. I think that's pretty good. I'm not sure if they were making that each or if that was their combined income, but either way, it was going to their mom. And $3,400 also, to me, doesn't sound very good when you think of the fact that they were working six and a half days a week. They got half of a day off, which is Sunday, where they would go to church, being at someone's beck and call 24-7. Yeah, no thanks. Having to cook all their food and stuff every day. Cook it, clean it, be abused. Get your head beat against walls. Not a fun time. No. So I'm going to say that $3,400, even though that is good money, $3,400 a month would be good if you were just working 40 hours a week. Oh, yeah. Not, not like seven out, seven days a week like, all the time. Like, why are they still giving their mom their money? If they're, if they're out of her house, why are they even giving her their money? I'm going to say because the way they were raised, I don't think that they realized that they could do that. Oh, Because if you think about it, they were raised in an orphanage where it was probably like, you do what you're told or you're going to get the crap beat out of you. Those poor girls. That's really sad to be raised like that. Yeah. So then you think when your mom, I mean, your mom's your mom. So when your mom's like, you're going to work and you're going to give me your paychecks, they probably don't realize that they could be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Actually, stupid bitch. (laughs) Right. Come again. Nice try. Could women have bank accounts? I don't even know if there were bank accounts. Well, there had to have been, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how any of that works. Same. But the attorney, so he says all that stuff. And then about the women being treated good and whatnot, which I think it's funny that in his mind, treated well means that you get paid a good salary. Because it's like, to me, being beat is not being treated well. Yeah. Okay, if everything's about money. The attorney goes on to suggest that Christine be put to death and Leah be locked away forever because they're both savages. And then the defense attorneys who were representing the the Papine sisters, since they didn't really have much to go on, I mean, they already know that the girls did commit the crime and stuff. They 
And then they were also found sane there. They tried to just say that the girls are mentally ill with something that has not been found and that they should go to a mental institution rather than prison. And then the jury deliberated for 40 minutes and came back with a guilty verdict for both sisters. Christine was sentenced to death by guillotine for being the mastermind and manipulator of the killings. And Leah was sentenced to 10 years of hard labor in prison for her part of the murders. And then later, Christine's death sentence was changed to life in prison. So I'm not really sure why it got changed. Maybe they just stopped doing that, but she didn't end up getting death. She, she was going to spend her life in prison. So they actually said back in the day with the guillotine, it was sharpest at the beginning. So people that were lined up to get their heads cut off would try to go first because the blade would dull after so many times of, you know, cutting people's heads off. And so once the people towards the back of the line got up there, sometimes it would take a couple times before it would actually chop their head off, which is horrifying. Yeah, that's so yucky. Yeah. I can't believe people could sit there and watch that. I couldn't watch that. No. Well, and then how they say that even after you get your head cut off, they have found that sometimes their eyes would still blink for six to 10 seconds, which is so scary if your mind is still there to know that your head has been chopped off. That would be awful. Oh, I can't even imagine. No. I'm glad they don't do stuff like that anymore. Same. And I'm also glad that they don't do that in public where everybody gets to watch because I think that's also weird. So do I. Um, the women were to serve their sentences separated from each other. And that proved to be really difficult for Christine who wanted to be with Leah. And she would go through bouts of depression and ended up having to be transferred to a, a mental institution in Wren. Which, looking it up, it was, Wren is like 160 miles away from Le Mans, which is where the, I'm pretty sure they were serving their sentence. But she got transferred to the mental institution in Wren, and then she ended up passing away May 18th, 1937, at the age of 32, from self-induced starvation, because she was refusing to eat since they wouldn't let her see Leah. How many so would she, that take to starve to death? I don't know. I mean, she got transferred to the mental institution because she was already starving herself. And then obviously it just didn't do any good because she still refused to eat even being in the mental institution. And so she only served three and a half years of her life sentence. Her life sentence was three and a half years because she died. That had to have been so hard anyways, like obviously not forgetting about what they did, but the only person that understood all of your struggles, you guys were separated. That would be really difficult. Yeah. I feel like her dying probably was like, if I had her life and went through everything that she did, I would want to die. Oh yeah. Same. But Leah, on the other hand, was released after serving eight years of her 10 year sentence. She got out early because of good behavior. And then she lived in the town of Nantes with her mother, which I thought was surprising that her and her mother actually ended up living together. Yeah. That's so, that's so strange that she was in all of that, all of those situations because of her mother and then to go yeah. back. Ooh. Yeah. And she used a fake identity for the remainder of her life and she worked as a hotel housekeeper. And then she died in either 1982 at the age of 71 or 2001 at the age of 90. And that is just depending on the source. She was thought to have died in 1982, but a French film producer working on a documentary 
inspired by the Papin sisters named Claude Ventura, claims he found her living in a hospice home after suffering from a stroke that left her partially paralyzed and unable to speak. And that woman is who later died in 2001. I don't know if that was really her. Nobody has ever confirmed that that was her. And I also don't really know how he would find her under a fake identity. And it seems rather convenient that she was in hospice home, paralyzed and unable to speak. How so it's like, how did connection? you even, con- I know that's, that's kind of how I feel is like, was this something that you just kind of at, thought would add some flair to, to your documentary that you were working on? Because if she's paralyzed and unable to speak, I don't really know how she's telling you that she's Leah. Not to mention, I'm pretty sure if she went through all the trouble of making a fake identity for herself, she's not going to admit who she is anyways. Yeah, that's weird. So I don't know. I'm going to say that she probably died in 1982 because I don't know that I believe that other guy. But that is the case of them. There is some other information that I found that is tied to this case a lot. Like if you search it up, there's going to be a lot of stuff that talks about the sisters having an incestuous relationship, which I don't really believe that. And it sounds like a lot of it ends up being like that side of it ends up being brought up after everything like that wasn't something that was commonly talked about when all of this was happening but it's something that people seem to be adding to it now and the free documentary histories youtube page they had a few different times in there where they talked about the sisters and one of the people were claiming that what they think really happened was that leone caught the sisters being inappropriate with each other and so christine and leah had to kill the girls to keep it secret or whatever but it's like that's kind of a bold story to be telling when you have no proof or anything of anybody saying that's what happened yeah when there's no reason well and it's a weird thing to add because it's like obviously the sisters were really close but it's like sisters can be close without any sexual aspect to it and the professionals also said that they didn't love each other anything more than family yeah anything more than family should so i don't really know i don't know if they had an incestual relationship Everything that talks about it sounds like none of it was ever proven or confirmed. Mm -hmm. And people are just trying to add another spicy layer to this already crazy story. Right. It's really annoying to do that. Like you don't just get to add stuff. We don't get to just make up things. Like obviously if you want to be like, well, something that could have happened and then you say that, people are just taking that as fact even though it doesn't sound like anything ever said that. And the girls never said that either. So it's like, how can you say that something was incestual when the parties involved in the incestual acts never said that but see and then it like makes me think is it just because of how close they were like was that just something that people couldn't comprehend is that some siblings can be so close like I'm closer to you than I am anybody else like I'm closer to you than my own husband right it means we're sisters it means that you're like my ride or die that's right but if you decide to look up this case on your own, you'll see a lot of like headlines talking about the incest stuff because I think that that's just, it's like a catchy thing to make you want to read it because it's like, oh, sisters that were in love with each other. Well, that would go back to mental illness. Wouldn't you think if they were, that would have been a form of mental illness. They've already been ruled that apparently they're not mentally ill. So yeah. And then you even think about their upbringing and stuff. It's like, there's no way that they weren't mentally ill, but I think that back then they just didn't know what they had. Mm, that's some good dancings. Uh, thank you. 
And I mean, I guess if they did have an incestual relationship, it could be something that they didn't want to have known then because that would probably make them sound insane, right? Yeah. I, I find it very hard to believe that they would have that sort of relationship when one is viewing the other as their mother, but. Yeah, I don't think they did. Nobody really knows. I mean, people can think what they want to think, but unless you're Leah or Christine and you want to come tell me that you guys were doing the dirties, I'm not going to believe you. Yeah weird but that that is the case of the papine sisters and them savagely killing the people that they were working for did i look frozen (laughs) (laughs) you're fucking stupid You can find us. We got set up on almost all podcast streaming networks. If there's one that you find that we're not on, you can let us know and we can hopefully add the podcast to it. You can find us on Facebook at Grim Curiosity. We have a Twitter. Actually, if you go to Facebook or Instagram, they're just all Grim Curiosity. We have a link tree. You can find all the links to all of our social medias. The link tree is also on Twitter. Perfect. So it should be pretty easy. Like Grim Curiosity, anywhere, type it in. Same picture for all of them so you'll know it's us and if somebody is really good at art and wants to make us a picture cool oh yeah dude that'd be so sweet if not catch you guys i mean i would even (laughs) the end goodbye okay bye okay bye that's it goodbye that's all that we've got for today and good (laughs) night see you later next week oh we're still going 